This is our Fireside Stories, talking junk, telling stories about South Africa. Hello, darling. Hello. Um, I'm conscious of the fact that this is our Fireside Stories, which means telling stories as if we're on the far side not just listening to us <laughs> nostalgically remember things from the past um and i do like to think of you as a little bit of a wrinkled old m- mama telling stories around the fire although you are <laughs> not, not too wrinkled thanks and not too wrinkled <laughs> yeah. yes um metaphorically metaphorically yes you're you're wise beyond your years <laughs> and you have a um, library of stories to tell no doubt you're itching to tell us one now so without further ado Mrs. Z well um, so did you ever go to the Eastern Transvaal on a school trip or I think it's in Pumalanga these days mm. in New South Africa you know what if I, have to, if I had to think about it my answer would probably be I'm not sure because I think when you're when you're a child you don't you don't necessarily think about the geography of where a place is. You just know that you board a bus with a whole bunch of other kids and you go <laughs> off somewhere and that somewhere is not nearby or at least it, you know, it feels like you drive for a year. And you have podcasts and pillows. Yeah? Sure. <laughs> no? Um, Important parts of school trips. Family. Maybe on family trips. <laughs> Didn't you have podcasts? Podcasts and pillows, I mean... Oh, my word. No, I didn't, I didn't, I'm pretty sure I had a bag of with clothes in it. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, so, the story that I want to tell um, happens in Pilgrim's Rest. And I remember going to Pilgrim's Rest on a school trip in Standard 3. We went to see some of the beautiful waterfalls in the area, which were Mac Mac Falls and the Bridal Veil vale Falls and I think Horseshoe Falls. And we learned a bit about the history, and one of the biggest things was about the gold rush. And I think mm-hmm. we may have even done some gold panning in Pilgrim's Race, which was really fun. Um, but Assuming the thing you didn't find any. No. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it was fake. They like chucked some fake mm. nuggets in if there. If we did, we wouldn't yeah. be here, would we? <laughs> exactly. Good point. Um, but the thing I remember most about that school trip was the robber's grave. Mm. And it was a graveyard in Pilgrim's Rest, and it was sort of on a hill or a slope. And the robber's grave faced a different way to all the other graves. His grave lies north to south, mm-hmm. and all the others were east to west. Right. So it's when you go and see it, it's very obviously not like the others. And it was because he was a robber. Mm-hmm. So there were. it's like the scarlet letter in the graveyard. Um so I distinctly remember that. And I don't remember if we found out why, you know, what he had done, mm. what he stole. But um, I've since researched it because I was curious. And this story that I'm going to tell was told initially by a guy called Roger Webster, who was a storyteller and used to go on radio and tell sort of like fireside chat type stories. Um So he dug into this and found out a lot of interesting things. So, the robber's grave 
legend has it that there was this guy and he was caught robbing a tent and this was during the height of the gold rush so 1873-74 um, and he was banished from the gold fields and told never to come back of course he did not listen he was spotted on a hill and was shot and buried where he fell so that's a very precede version of what happened mm. actually the story is far more tragic mm. um and you know how i love a bit of a tragic story Tra- tragical story but can i stop you before you before you go and into yeah. the, the tragedy of the story if he if he was buried where he fell did he did he get shot conveniently in a graveyard okay so let me <laughs> t- tell, tell the you the story first. and yeah 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 you will hear because it's quite interesting um so actually the story starts uh, in Scarborough in England, right? And there was a lady called Elizabeth Webster, and she fell in love with a wealthy banker's son named Roy Spencer. And they became engaged. Uh, but Roy's dad didn't rate him. He thought he was lazy and wasteful, and so he was not likely to bequeath him any of his wealth. So Roy set out to prove his dad wrong. He left his fiancée and set out for the land of opportunity, which was South Africa. His plan was to hit the diamond fields in Kimberley, right? But on his way there, he met another guy, a prospector called Walter Scott, and they teamed up. And together, the two men decided that gold was a better choice than diamonds. So they headed for Barberton. And if you remember Jock of the Bushveld, Jock of the Bushveld, that story um, happened around Barberton. So that kind of gives you a nice little visual of what it was like at that time. Um, anyway, so back in England, Elizabeth was really missing Roy. So she decided she was going to trail after him to South Africa. So she got to South Africa and she headed for Kimberley because that's where she knew he would be going. She got there, but of course he was not there because he had gone off to Barberton. She then met up with a lady called Trixie and they started traveling together. Meanwhile, Roy and Walter are now in Barberton having a whale of a time, planning for gold. And basically what used to happen mostly is people, these prospectors would find gold and then just spend it, spend the money. So they would just drink their nuggets away often at taverns. Um, in Pilgrim's Rest, Barberton, and all the areas nearby. So one night, these two friends and a man called Summershield, who was a doctor, they hit the bar at the Royal Hotel nearby Pilgrim's Rest, where they drank themselves into a stupor. Walter became aggressive and argumentative and accused his friend of stealing his purse. Right? So Roy denied this. But because Walter was crazy drunk um, and angry, he got quite aggressive. And so Roy ran away. He dashed. He ran in the direction of the Methodist church in Pilgrim's Rest to escape Walter. Walter charged after him with a gun and shot him to death in the bushes above the church. So when you asked me if he fell into, (laughs) if he was shot in the graveyard... Pretty much, yes. Um, Although it wasn't a graveyard then. Mm -hmm. So now it's a graveyard. So now, Walter comes along and he's really panicked. 
he's like, what am I going to do? I've like shot this friend of mine. Um, so mostly he's worried about himself, however. So he digs a grave and well, he called some friends to help him. They dig this grave and then popped Roy in, buried him, didn't tell anyone and off they went. So now Walter sobers up, gets back to his tent, and what does he find? His purse. He finds his purse that he had accused Roy of stealing. Roy, who is now shot to death. Walter is so tormented by what has happened, and obviously he is now sober, that he kills himself. Right? Uh, and then the legend has it that he was buried in an unmarked grave next to Roy by the same friends who helped bury Roy. Mm-hmm. So that's the end of those two. But we still have Elizabeth Webster, who has come from England to Kimberley mm-hmm. and is now traveling around with Trixie looking for Roy. They were robbed along the way by a notorious Irish brigade. And this Irish brigade took everything of theirs. So they had no money. She arrives in Barberton, finds out that Roy is gone, is dead. So she's heartbroken. She's in trouble. And basically she does what she has to do. She starts working in the tavern and adopts this persona. She became known as Cockney Liz. She was an entertainer, a seductress, um, one of the most popular barmaids in Barberton. Her haunt was the Red Light Canteen. And she spends all her day there entertaining her patrons. But it is said that in the quiet of the fray where no one was looking, our blithe barmaid could be found wandering the graveyard in Pilgrim's Rest, wistful and woebegone, a ghost of herself. So that's the tragic tale of the robber's grave. Her ghost haunts the graveyard. Well, it's kind of metaphoric. She was ghostly in her wanderings of the grave, but I mm. bet <laughs> I bet there will be an extension of the legend which says her ghost haunts the graveyard. But she's quite she's quite a well known character. So mm. if you Googled Cockney Liz, you would find pictures of her as this barmaid. So she never went back to England, obviously, but her accent became part of her persona. Accent remained. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's a really cool story. And mm. when I I wish I kind of wish I'd known that when I got when I'd gone to see the gone to Pilgrim's Rest back when I was eight or nine. Spend more time at the Red Light Tavern. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So that yeah. was one of my school trips I went on. Um, I can't remember the others. I went to a place called La Palala when I was in Standard Five. That was kind of like fault school. Mm-hmm. Fault school. And I remember we went canoeing on the lake. And my friend hit me on the head with an awl. With an awl. Yes. <laughs> and I had a big lump. It I was painful. I can imagine. But I just carried on. It was fun. Hmm. I remember growing up, felt school felt like the the legend of it was that it was almost like a fun, but also you learn some life skills kind of thing. Yeah, like making like, fires. Yeah, you know, making fires, how to purify water. Yeah. You know, like bush toilets and stuff like that. We, we d- it was a version of that. Like, we mm. went on hikes. We, and I remember going, there were kind of hippos in the river. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was a felt, you know, it was sort of in the bundus. In the wild. Yeah. In the wild. But I don't know how much we were left to our own devices exactly. It was really fun, though. Mm. Loved school trips. Didn't you go to Cape Town? 
Cape Town was effectively my felt school. That's quite grand for a school trip mm. to go off to Cape Town. Did you go on the bus? You couldn't have. That would have taken forever. No. I didn't Did you fly? Did. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I must have. Although I don't re- recall that at all. <laughs> oh. Wow. Was that your first time on an aeroplane? No. Oh. I think we had flown to see my aunt who lived in KwaZulu Natal. Mm. A plane to Durban. That's a quick little flight. Well, beats a six hour drive. <laughs> yeah. Although, on a six-hour drive, you're sure it's against Patkos. And pillows. <laughs> and pillows, exactly. And speeding fines. Oh. Yeah. Not our problem, though. Sorry, Mom. Sorry, Dad. Hmm. What do the jumps out the bushes? What do the ju- Oh, the yeah. Police. Oh, my goodness. Like those Leon Schuster movies. Yeah. What a dude. Who does that? I know. I'm going to jump out in front of a car doing 200 kilometers an hour and tell him to stop. Yeah. What a grand idea. You'd never do that in England. Like, or you'd never be at risk of being injured because the speed limit is so slow. Also, they have speeding cameras. (laughs) Modern technology. (laughs) Not some random dude who jumps out of the bushes. Uh, Didn't you go visit Parliament? Did you tell me that? I did visit Parliament. They took up took us up to the gallery, and it was uh, at the time Tabo and Becky giving a talk. For some reason, I thought it was a good idea to say, "What's up, Tabo?" <laughs> <laughs> That's so great! Did everyone hear you? He he looked he looked up briefly. Um, <laughs> He's like random white kid. Yeah, it's like who are these idiots? Like, save us from these white morons <laughs> what's up Tabo yeah. uh. what's up Tabo what about when the bus broke down the bus broke down what broke down what bus broke down <laughs> did no bus break down no there was a bus accident oh yeah okay crashed. so the bu- okay what about the bus accident so in primary school we we took a bus ride. We were taking a bus ride to, I think it was the Lion and Cheetah Farm, which we were, obviously everyone was really excited about. I think it was the first time we would see both of those animals together. And I guess as a kid, your imagination runs a little bit wild. I don't know. I don't know what we thought it was going to be like. <laughs> it was going to be a street fighter with <laughs> cheetahs and lions or something like that. Um, Mortal Kombat. Yeah. But as, as it happens, you're on the bus and it literally felt like a whole school day just on the bus to get there. And obviously part of that's childhood, right? The journeys always feel very, very long. Um, I remember it quite well because I was, I was sat quite near the front of the bus on the aisle. So I like to watch where we were going. And I remember with the bus, so we, we, came, we came over this like ri- a rise, I guess, that was going down into a dip. We come over this rise, obviously a, a a bus with full of full of kids, um, and in the bottom of the dip is a stationary truck, basically. Oh my the word. truck had broken down. Coming in the opposite direction was another truck. So basically, you have this almost like a mini valley, I guess, where you have two rises, two rises with like a blind dip in the middle, and you have two large vehicles hurtling towards one another. 
and the bus is clearly not going to be able to stop in time behind the broken down track. So basically what he had to do is just like anchor on brakes and then ended up hitting the back of this truck with the front left part. Cheapers. And I, I remember my, my teacher, she ended up having glass in her face. Oh, wow. So you hit quite hard. Yeah. And what did you all do? It happened so fast. Yeah. So it was surprising. I'm pretty sure someone was talking about... Do you remember that TV show Dinosaurs? Yes. I feel like I remember <laughs> someone talking about that. Or someone saying, Nap the mama, like a hundred times over <laughs> and over again. Nap the mama, nap the mama. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was also, <laughs> it was also good driving because funny. if he had gone the other way, basically there was like a little, like a mini canyon. So the bus could have gone like off the road. Yeah. Down into a canyon. I don't remember what happened with the other truck. I don't know if it had anticipated what was going to happen and had stopped but obviously we only got hit by well we hit one thing and didn't get hit by the other truck yeah. coming the other way it didn't feel like a huge deal but it was yeah. i guess it was memorable in the sense yeah. that it was a school trip also we didn't get to see street fighter cheetah yeah. and lions bummer well i guess this is an aside from bus accidents between you say cheetah and lion i think about one of the coolest things about school trips was buying curios. So mm. in the Eastern Transvaal, or Mpumalanga, we, I'm sure I bought, I don't know if you ever saw these, like guinea fowl, little yeah, yeah. clay, I think, guinea Were fowl like things. Africa's version of, you know, those like Swedish horses. <laughs> you know, those red Swedish horses. Yes. It's like Africa's version of that, but it's a guinea yeah. fowl. yeah. Yeah, so little black ones with sort of, and then they would sell them. Um, mm. Yeah, that's a bit like when you go to the beach and you buy the shell with the exactly. two bobbly eyes. Yes, exactly, exactly. So that, and then what was the other thing? Guinea fowl. Stary stumpies. You're going to say something <laughs> about stary stumpies. I wasn't, actually. Fudge, Wilson's toffees. Not food, that was the putt course. I'm talking about curios. Do you remember, in fact, um, our first trip? No, it wasn't our first trip. Maybe our second trip back to South Africa after moving here. Mm-hmm. How excited we were to buy curios. Mm. <laughs> it's like we've been anglicized. Definitely. So when we went back to South Africa, we were very excited about beaded lions and... An airplane matter of yeah. shell oil tins. Yes. Oh, my word, that we packed. How did we even bring that back here? I don't know. But it was very cool, though. Yeah. Yeah. I do, I do always find it interesting. I do always find it interesting that you have actually quite a lot of creativity and skill that goes into making these things and they're still, they're still sold for virtually nothing. Um, despite the fact that it takes these men and women hours and hours and hours to make them. Well, you've heard what my dad said about when he worked in Malawi and he went to... I don't remember which of the villages, but he was really interested in um, these beautiful wooden carved chairs that these African guys were making and selling. And they're so detailed and so amazing. And they just like sit under trees and carve these designs and were selling for so cheap. And Mm. he could not believe it. Mm. He told them, he's like, you guys need to be selling this for so much more. These are mm. beautiful. Anyway, but to the point of you saying the talent and creativity. Mm. 
and just sold for pittance and we pay mm. for, we pay pittance right <laughs> mm. remember buying a like a little gr- grass basket you know those grass like basket like woven it's, it's, yeah. yeah but it had like golden thread in it um and i, ins- I basically i insisted on paying her double for it because i knew i could see she was weaving them right there and you could see it didn't take her five minutes um as a kid did you do that by curios. No, did you pay? Were you young? No, no, no. Was, was that in your? No, life? no, I was, oh, an, okay. I was an adult. It was. Yeah, because then I guess you have more of a sense of the um, value of money. The injustice, yeah, of working to create this thing and being paid very little for it. Hmm. But also the value of money, yeah. Well, I think as a ki- I think as a kid you don't. You probably don't think about it, right? Yeah. You no, have, you don't. As you told the story of buying sweets from African mamas on the side of the road. I'm not sure about you, but as a child, you didn't necessarily think much of it. It was, it felt like a normal thing, much like the fact that the grass on the pavement was green or the sky was blue. Yeah, dude, I was like, sweet, chappies, five chappies for 10 cents. Yes. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But it is. I do. I do find it interesting. That. I do find it interesting the ability to. Make something. Beautiful out of not much. Yeah. Just actually, the the creativity. Yes, it's not pastels and oil paints on, you know, perfectly stretched and prepared canvas. But nonetheless, there are still works of works of creativity and craftsmanship um, well when you have less it's it's an, an advantage in many ways because you're kind of forced to use what you have mm. to be creative rather than having too much choice mm. yeah anyway <laughs> mm. tangent yeah total tangents what about other tr- what about other I guess it doesn't need to be necessarily even be school trips. When I was in Standard 5, I went on a netball tour with um, my netball team. So it was like, when I say netball tour, we weren't playing other teams. It was like our team and it was skills development, I guess, mm-hmm. type tour. Um, I don't even remember where we stayed. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I dormed with two, my best friend and then another girl who was who I was good friends with. Anyway, I remember watching Gorillas in the Mist one night. We stayed up late. Oh my word, have you watched that? Yeah. Weeping. Like weeping. And I also remember on that same night my best friend and I had a big fight. I can't even remember what we were fighting about. We often we fought a lot, but we were like, you know, with girls, it's like we absolutely loved each other, but man, we could fight. Honestly. Did you pull each other's hair? Not on this occasion, but we definitely have done that. Mm. But we fought and we were, my friend got so mad at me that she refused. We were sharing a double bed. She refused to sleep in the bed. She, she slept in the bath. Like she took the blankets, Mm. (laughs) made a bed for herself in the bath, in the bathroom. Mm. Oh man. And I was like, that's fine. You can sleep in the bath. (laughs) I'll go 
deep in the bed. Determined to make a point. <laughs> Which she did, but it was so, it's so funny to think about now. Mm. I don't remember if she actually literally slept in there all night, but I, mm. have, I clearly remember her making this bed in the bath. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I have to confess, when you said gorillas in the mist, and then you said you were weeping... I got that confused with Congo. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what is wrong with you, woman? No, yeah. I thought I thought you were going to tell me that you were terrified. No. Um, Congo. Flip, gorillas in the mist. That I just remember that gorilla hands that they used for cigarette ashtrays they were selling. Mm. <gasps> it's terrible. Mm. I can tell you this memory, which feels like it's from Pilgrim's Rest. So I remember... I actually had to look up where this was because I think again when you're a kid you don't think of you don't think of geography but we went to this place called Mount Sheba which is actually not far from Pilgrim's Rest my my dad really liked walking in the mountains and I have I have this memory of walking on a path and somehow we got lost anyway my dad thought it would be a good idea to just go when I say straight down the mountain, obviously we're not talking the Alps, but it's, they're like it's like hilly, right? Yeah. So, but I'm pretty sure this one section was called Surprise Ridge, where you'd go down a hill and there'd be another one, and you go down a hill and there'd be another one. It's just this never-ending group of hills, to the point where you feel like you need to run because it's like you're having this Groundhog Day of hills. <laughs> um, and I do feel like I do feel like I started. I did feel like I started running down the hill because I just wanted it to be over. Um, Do you know, your mom tells a story of her. Did your family used to go there often? Your mom tells a story of going on a hike. Mm -hmm. She was much younger, though, with her sister Sheila and Ian. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember who else. And it was called Surprise Ridge. And she said she got so fed up she cried. And Ian... Piggyback to mm. up and down the ridges. My uncle by marriage. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny that you just told that. Mm. Well, I can't. I can't tell you. I can't tell you if at the bottom of that hill had pilgrims rest, but in my memory it did. If you you know. We shall Google it later. <laughs> I, I googled it a little bit before. Um, Oh, did you? Anyways, it may not have been the fabled Surprise Ridge. It was a so-called so-called South African mountain of a sort, or a large hill with lots of hills. Um, well, either way, I kind of love that memory does that. Hmm. Never yeah. quite sure how reliable it is. I don't know what happened before. I don't know what happened after. I just remember... Endless hills. And that your mom has a version of the same story. Mm. I don't remember that. You remember that even better than I do. So great. What we've learned from this podcast is, number one, gorillas in the mist on a netball tour does not make for good skills development the next day. Or, don't do it. Or the Congo. Or Congo. Or Congo. Yep. I can't imagine that would be... <laughs> no. That would lead for very good sleep in the pitch blackness of an African night. No. This is true. Number two. What's up, Tabor? Perhaps not the most appropriate address to the president mm. in Parliament. I'm sorry, white folk. I have let you all down. <laughs> Number three. 
we have lived much more sheltered lives than the men and women that came before us. Yeah. Poor old Elizabeth and Roy. Yeah. And alive. Think of that. Going, leaving your home, hearing of this opportunity, the other side, literally the other side of the planet, going all the way there just to take a shot at opportunity. Yeah. It's crazy. And it seemed like that was a time when that was quite normal. People would opportunities afford it obviously but travel the world 